Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. I am going to try to put an exclamation point on the end of this sermon series. We're not even going to read from Daniel. But Pastor Don did a good job of kind of doing a summation of the, the last chapters of Daniel because Daniel is a, is a different book. It's not, the whole book is not cohesive in the sense that the first five or six chapters are stories and then the rest of it is apocalyptic, like things in the future, visions Daniel's having. I don't know about you, but I've had more questions in the last six months about, is just Jesus coming back? Is it the mark of the beast? That I can remember. So, so I want to talk about that a little bit today and how we are supposed to, what God expects of us as the time draws near. Amen. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse three. Say amen if you're ready. Here we go. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So see that you are not alarmed for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are but the beginnings of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for not my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because of lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and the end will come. Father, we thank you today. God, the confidence that we have this morning is not based on our ability or our wisdom or our knowledge, but based on the fact that you're the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You've been there already. And you have specifically instructed us not to be fearful, not to be in a panic, but to be at peace with your plan. Lord, we pray that you'd instill that in us this morning, not so we could just be at peace, Lord, but so through peace, we can minister to the people around us and that your gospel would be preached to the whole world. Let us keep our wits about us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. If you go to chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus starts to talk about future events. At the very beginning of chapter 24, he talks about a future event that triggers the disciples to start asking when. He, they it seems like they pull him aside in private and say, hey, can you tell us when all these things will happen? What what should we be looking for? When is it going to happen? 
Jesus, the first thing he says is don't be led astray. He, he says, don't be led astray. And then he kind of goes into some things that they should look for. But, he, but more than what to look for, he, he's telling them how to act. He's saying, he's saying, nobody knows the hour or the day, but, but you need to be watchful. You need to pay attention. These are the things. Don't be led astray. And he doesn't really answer their question. As I said earlier, we are in a time where the end of the world is the topic of discussion in a lot of places. COVID-19 devastated communities, it devastated economies, it devastated countries. It's one of those things that, that nobody thought was necessarily possible. That, that, that when it popped up, we thought, oh, this can't be, this can't be happening. And, and to this day, I have, I have people that I know that, that in the last couple of weeks died from, from that virus. We've seen political strife. We've seen wars. We, we've, seen, we've seen catastrophes lately. We've seen hurricanes and flooding all the way up into the East Coast where you don't expect it. And people are on edge a little bit. If I go to a restaurant, I have people ask, is this the mark of the beast? Conversations with people, what do you think? You think Jesus is coming back soon? I say, yeah, sooner than he was yesterday. (laughs) Are you ready? Boy, if Bruce Buffer could just stand up and say, let's get ready. <laughs> People are on edge. But the, the, the irony for me is that the church is on edge. It's one thing for me to walk into a place full of people that don't believe in Christ or don't believe in the, re- the imminent return of Christ and him coming back and making all things right to look at me and say, hey man, is the world coming to the end? It's another thing for church people with great anxiety to look at me and go, is this it? So we read in Matthew chapter 24, and actually we're gonna get a little bit here into Matthew chapter 25 because when you start reading what Jesus' response to the disciples, he tells them some specific things, but then when you get into chapter 25, he starts telling stories that have to do with the specific things he told them. This is why we have to read, this is why you have to read the the plurality of scripture. You can't just pluck verses out because what you realize is some of the parables that that we talk about are actually connected to the return of Christ. And so what what happens is Jesus tells them something and then he continues to teach them these principles in parables. They're not isolated stories. They're related to the future events that he's talking about and how the church should be responding at that time. So the big question, is it, are we we taking the mark of the beast? I don't know. If you came here this morning to find out if uh, a vaccine is a mark of the beast, you're going to be disappointed because I don't know. I got it. (laughs) Boy, I sure hope it ain't. 
Whether you got it or you didn't get it, there's a consternation in people about end times now. With the hurricane, with Afghanistan, with all these, the, the, the stuff's just piling on. And you, and you, and you get on your, your news apps and you, you start looking at Facebook and you're just, the anxiety is rising and rising and rising. And the Bible tells us the church shouldn't be anxious. It's like we're having the opposite response to what, to the way God told us to respond to these things. So when, when Jesus talks to the disciples, he specifically tells them three things in between him telling them what will end up happening. The first thing he says when they say, hey, what, what is going to happen? Can you tell us when this is going to happen, how it's going to happen? Does anybody remember what he said? He says, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And verse 4, Jesus simply responds to them. And Jesus answered them and said, see that no one leads you astray. I think I would have backed up and said, you didn't answer my question. Why would Jesus respond like, see that no one leads you astray? See that no one leads you astray. He said, there's going to be false prophets that come. There are going to be people that come in my name. There are going to be people that are telling you things inside the church. And you're going to get all work. Don't let them lead you astray into something false. Matter of fact, Paul reiterates that to Timothy later on. When he's, when he's talking to his protege, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up and conceited and understands nothing. He says, listen, don't let anybody come in here and teach something other than what the gospel says. But here's the problem. Man, good for Timothy. He didn't have the internet. I think if Paul was writing that letter to Timothy today, he would say something like this. Timothy, get off the internet. Get off of Facebook. It's like every 30 seconds we're led astray. So you hear, you've heard my pet peeves over and over and over and over again. If you come in any length of time about the verse of the day and all this stuff. We live in a period of time where there has never been more research, never been more, never been more, resources than today on what God has written down in his word. The inspired word of God, the Bible we call it. There has never been a time in human history where there's more to back it up, where there's more commentary on it, where there's more scholarly writings on it. We are living in the most educated point in human history when it comes to the veracity and accuracy of scripture and yet we know it less than anyone else before us. So my mind automatically goes to, how, if, I, if I don't know what the truth is, then by default, I can get led astray. But the first thing Jesus says is, when will we know all these things happen? How will we know the signs? Don't be led astray. You know what he's saying there? You better know what's right. You better know what's right. And you can't get that from waking up in the morning with a verse of the day. I just hurt somebody's feelings, I know. Could you ever imagine 
meeting somebody and then telling you only one detail about themselves every day. And you went, I'll get married anyway. And then like six years later, you find out they were a criminal, psychic, serial killer. Well, I was only telling you one detail a day. And it just took six years before that one came out. The God who sent his son to die for us, we're found, we, we find out one detail about him a day and we call it a relationship. Mm. Doesn't sound like much of a relationship. Let, let me say this. It's not enough of a relationship to keep you from being anxious or to keep you from being led astray. Can, can, we, can we fast forward to today's time and let's talk about how we're led astray? It kind of works like this. Okay, the pandemic comes out. And listen, I really don't care where you land on the pandemic. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care if you think masks work, thinks masks don't work. I don't care if you think the vaccine is from, made up from grind up cow parts. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. But here's how it happens. You're on Facebook. Now you know God is not in this story already. You're on Facebook. And everybody has an aunt on Facebook? Raise your hand. You have an aunt on Facebook? Raise your hand. Let's see. Uh, everybody's aunt is on Facebook. And so what happens is your aunt posts something from somebody else, from a person she doesn't know that she friended from some other country, just because that's what ants do. They just friend everybody. And so they friended somebody from another country that they don't even know, and, and, and they posted something from their country that, that nobody knows if it's even real or not. Some guy said it in a grocery store, and she typed it up because she thought it was real. And so all of a sudden, you share what your aunt shared from another country. And then you start saying, they're out to get us. <laughs> Trust me, that's the way it works. The church is propagating more falsehoods today than we are truth. Because we keep sharing stuff that leads us astray. So when it feels like the end is coming, we are freaked out instead of confident. You don't have to say amen for it to be true. Say, oh my. It is so ironic to me that, let me say it this way. When I, the first time I traveled to Africa, cell phones weren't what they are today. I didn't have an international plan. And unless I was on Wi-Fi at the, at the place I was staying at, I, stay, I was there for almost a month and the Wi-Fi was basically like dial-up internet without the so it was very limited I had this little flip phone and and I I called how many times did I call you once and it was like a hundred bucks I got home and I was like whoa not doing the international calls anymore so fast forward so so listen there wasn't a lot of communication so it was like, I want to go home, I want to, but I didn't really know a whole lot about what was going on. Fast forward to this past week, somebody thank God for international calling plans, free text and data. We stayed in communication every day. So what happened was, because we were in communication every day, the anticipation of my return Because 
I knew the truth about what she felt about me. Because she was telling me every day, I can't wait for you to get home. I can't wait for you to get home. I was like, baby, I'll be there. Just calm down. It'll be okay. Control yourself. No, she was telling me that. See where I'm going with this? I was in communication, and so the anticipation level went up. One of the signs that we don't communicate enough with God is that we are not anticipating his return. We have been led astray to be concentrating and focusing on all these things that we can't make sense out of it. Is it the mark of the beast? Is it, is it, the, is it the, uh, the, the great Satan? Is it, what is it? There's like a boogeyman around every door. When in fact, Scripture says we should anticipate the return of Christ. I remember in the old church. Now, I used to think, I remember when I was a kid at a church in Martinsburg, and we had Sunday night church, and we would be there till like 12 o'clock at night. I'm not advocating that. <laughs> Sunday night church, be there praying. And I remember the old people, like when I was a kid, like 10 years old, and they were in their 80s. And they would be praying, Lord, come. Lord, we want you to come quickly. We're looking forward for your return. And I used to think, man, it must hurt so bad to be that age. <laughs> and now I'm 45 and I'm like, I'm just scheduling doctor's appointments because all my friends are. Like, I don't, like, it's just what you do now. And I'm thinking, but I've, I come to realize that wasn't it. It wasn't because they were in so much pain, there was so much sorrow. It was because they had been communicating. They weren't led astray. They weren't freaking out about wars and rumors of wars. They weren't, they weren't flipping out about all that stuff. They were just in a relationship with God to the point that they wanted to be with them. And there was a concreteness about it that, that wasn't wavering. So when something, when something went off, they, they were like, oh, do you, do, you think it's the, do you think it's Antichrist? Even so, Lord, come quickly. There's a quiet confidence about those people that I remember from being a kid. And now, now I see the church kind of freaking out, like, ah, what's happening? They're coming to get us. The first thing Jesus tells the disciples is not run and hide, is not prepare. He said, don't be led astray. You keep your mind sharp. You know what the word of God says. You know what I've taught you. You know how I've instructed you to act. Don't let anybody come in this place and cause you to think differently about it. And between the last five years, between the politics and the, and the virus, Some of us have been led astray. We treat people like pariahs if they don't agree with us on certain subjects. And Jesus said, be careful. There's going to be ample opportunity for people even inside the church to rise up and say, if you don't agree with this, he said, don't be led astray. You got to know what you know, what you know, what you know. And that's why we've been digging in so hard about this is what God, he teaches us to treat people and to love on people and to care for them. This is what he said. So he said, don't be led astray. Don't let it happen. You got to know what the right thing is. The second thing he says is this. 
He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not. What's that word there? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. What does a church have to offer if we're just as panicked as everybody else? I mean, you only need so many people to yell run. Somebody has to be the calm person in the place. Amen? Now, I use this illustration for a service. Um, I just want to let you know that if you have a heart attack here and I'm responsible for your safety, you're probably going to die. I have been CPR certified, but I'm not real good at it. So I just want to, I just want to take away the liability issues. Like you had some expectation of me and like, we're going to be okay. Pastor Chris is here. No, you're probably dead. You're probably going to meet Jesus really quick. If I'm responsible for your health, I'm the guy when the car accident happens. Hey, you guys got a mess to clean up out here. I think there's still a few people in there, but there's other people here that they just snap into it. You ever been around somebody just She's like, oh, I didn't know you had that game face. Don't be alarmed. If, if something happens like that in front of me, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody better call somebody. This is not going to work out well. Hurry up. Somebody get here. And then I've got friends. We had a situation in here one time where I thought somebody could potentially have a baby out in the foyer. In Jesus' name, don't do that. That is not good. We're in a staff meeting, and I'm like, there better not be a baby in my foyer when we're done. <laughs> Somebody get an ambulance here right now. And so I'm like, I'm alarmed. I'm like standing around the corner like. <laughs> One of the guys on our team, uh, I don't even know he had a radio in his truck, but he's one of those firefighters that's got a radio. He snapped into it. Man, he went out to his truck, got his radio. He's like, breaker, breaker, one nine. I got to. <laughs> that shows my age too, doesn't it? No, he didn't say that. He was just like, and I'd never seen him do that before. And I was like, whoa. All I'm thinking about, who's going to clean this up? And he's going, bang, bang, bang. This is step, 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 step. He was not alarmed because he knew what was coming. He knew the truth. He, he, he had been prepared. Come on, church. If we have lived 2,000 years after Jesus died and resurrected and has told us things, don't you think we should be more prepared than the people in the first church? Don't you think we should be more anticipatory? If somebody comes up to you and says, Jesus is coming back? Yeah. And it's a heck of a lot sooner than when they talked about it in the Bible. It's the difference between me trying to deliver a baby in here and somebody knows what they're doing. It's, it's the church not being alarmed because we've been forewarned, we've been told, we've been, we, we've been given training on how to deal with it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every circumstance, 
bring your request to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. That includes when, when wars break out, that includes hurricanes, that includes viruses, that includes everything. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, don't be anxious. The thing that separates you from the world is that you're not alarmed when everybody else is. And so if we're not led astray and we're not alarmed, then we can function different. If my friend is here and you're having a heart attack, you're in good hands. He's not alarmed. He's going to treat you the best that you can be treated in that circumstance. And there's probably more of you out there that can do that. And I thank God for you. Because I'm going to be like, somebody get some help. If the world sees the church freaking out about a virus or vaccination or a political term or a war or anything else, if there's not a quiet confidence that resides in our heart, there is no hope for people outside of here. What are we gonna offer them? More anxiety? More complications, more, more consternation, more, more anger? You know, I, I made it a point, I hope my wife will back me up on this. I made it a point, I don't talk about politics as much as I did anymore because it, it, I found out it wasn't something that I could offer people peace about. At the end of the conversations, we just stayed anxious. So you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. At the end of the day, I don't have to be alarmed by it because I know what Jesus already said. And I'm not going to believe everything on Facebook. I hope you don't either. He says, don't be led astray. Don't be alarmed. The last thing he says in that segment is to endure. Now, now we're to endure two things, he says here. Persecution or attacks from others and tribulations, which, which are like hardships. So persecution and tribulations. So we're gonna to have to endure two things, attacks from other people and hardships. Jesus actually associates this end thing, this enduring with being led astray. Watch this. He actually associates it, if we're led astray, then we will not endure. So he kind of repeats it again. Don't be, don't be led astray, but endure these hardships. Endure persecution. Over and over again, he's telling us to endure, don't give up. All through the New Testament, that's the message. Paul writes in his second letter to the church in Corinth, Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. He said our bodies are dying. Our outer self is wasting away. He said our inner self is being renewed day by day. So there's this, there's this dichotomy that's going on within us. So outside, we are all dying. Amen? And if you don't think you are, wait 10 years. You'll feel more like it. Outside, he says, we're all wasting away, but inside, 
through those difficulties, through the persecution, through the tribulation, he says we are being renewed day by day. The Spirit of God renews us on the inside so that we can endure on the outside. Do you understand that? We're renewed day by day on the inside so no matter what happens on the outside, we can endure through it. So then he follows it up with this. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul just wrapped up what Jesus was telling us. He was like, listen, I know this whole thing is going to hell in a handbasket. It's how the thing wraps up. Sin in its final burst of energy is going to try to do some crazy stuff. But I'm here to tell you that the king of kings has overcome all of that and you have nothing to worry about. So Paul says, listen, even though we're wasting away on the outside, on the inside, God's renewing us. He's keeping us from being led astray. He's keeping us from, from being tilted to the right or the left. He's renewing us on the inside. No matter how bad it gets on the outside, he keeps us in line on the inside. Amen? If he's keeping you alive on the inside, you don't have to be alarmed about anything. Amen? And then, if you're not alarmed by anything, then you have the capability to endure through all things. And Paul contextualized it by saying, this light, momentary suffering. Paul was able to say, you know what, he's coming back. This ain't gonna last forever. I'm not, this body's not going to last forever, and I'm anticipating the return of Christ. This light and momentary suffering does not compare with the glory that's going to be, that's going to be revealed in us. And then he says this, for the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. If you are sitting here today, worked up about something, not sure you're going to make it through, not sure it's going to work out, Jesus said, endure. Paul follows it up with the way you endure is to make sure you put whatever you're walking through in the context it should be. It's all temporary. The things that I can look at on this earth, the wars, the famines, the earthquakes, the, it's all temporary. I can endure through temporary things, Amen. So Jesus says, endure. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have persecution. But the one who endures through the end, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Okay. I told you that that verse, that portion of scripture we read was um, Jesus gave those three things. But if you stop reading there, you'll miss that in chapter 25, he goes on to keep teaching about those things. He teaches about, at the end of chapter 24, about the lesson of a fig tree. And then he goes on and, and says some more things. And then when he gets into 25, he talks about a parable of the ten virgins, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, where they were anticipating the, 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 the party with the bridegroom. Jesus is the, is the bridegroom and we're the bride. That's the way the Bible describes a church. So this is a picture of the reuniting us with Christ. So what happens is five of the women prepare in anticipation to meet him. So they put enough oil in their lamps to make the journey. Another five don't. 
and they, and they end up running out of light in the middle of the night and they can't make their way to the destination. And the moral of that story is you should be preparing in anticipation for him to be there. Anticipation. Now, I've done a few weddings and I'll probably say there's been a couple where it didn't look like the groom or the bride was anticipating being together. Those are weird. But man, it's special when they're anticipating each other, isn't it? When there's an anticipation of we're getting ready to get married. We're getting ready to get married. This is a good thing. Jesus keeps teaching on his return and he said, you should be anticipating it. So listen, if we're not led astray, if we're not alarmed, and if we're committed to enduring, then we're anticipating the return of Christ. I go back to the, to the, when I was in the church with the, with the, when I was a kid and I would hear the older people going, man, Jesus, come quickly. That was an anticipation that I wasn't mature enough to understand. But he says, we should be anticipating his return. And then the next teaching, the next parable is the parable of the talents. Now, we pluck that parable of talents out of that context most of the time, and we just teach on how to be responsible with what the gifts God gave you and that he expects a return, and that, and that you know, we shouldn't bury our talents, but we should use them and multiply them for the kingdom of God. And that's all good stuff. But you can't pluck it out of the context of it being taught with the, with the idea of being ready for the return of Christ. So two things. He tells us, don't worry about what time or when or all those things, but don't be led astray. What was the next one? Don't be led astray. Don't be alarmed. Don't be freaking out. And the third thing was endure. Okay, if you're not led astray, you're not alarmed, and you're enduring, then this is the mentality that I want you to have. I want you to anticipate me, and I want you to be busy until the last day. Oh. Also, that whole commune thing we were going to do where we were going to dig a hole in the ground and all live together and just eat grass. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a biblical idea. Now, is it coming together? The parable of the talents, the guy that was rebuked was afraid. He was alarmed. He had been led astray and he didn't endure to the end because all he did was bury what God gave him. Hmm. Just buried it. I'm afraid. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to round my little family up and I'm just going to disengage from society and I'm going to go in my little hole, just wait for the return of Jesus. Well, if you go too far down the ground, you might not know what happened. But Jesus paints a picture of us right up until he, he returns, being engaged in our community. And what happened over the last four or five years is, is we got tangled up in politics and the virus and all this stuff and we started having opinions about everything and, and this is, this, 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 start arguing with everybody else. And all of a sudden it was easier for the church to recoil than it was to engage. And the parable of the talent says, when the master comes back, he wants to find you bringing a return. All the way up until the end. 
So now is it making sense? I can't be led astray into thinking I just disengage from society, don't care what happens to anybody else. I can't be alarmed every time something happens and think, oh man, is this the devil? Is this the mark of the beast? I don't know. I gotta have a mindset of enduring to the end, anticipating the return of Christ and busy until the day he shows up with what he's called me to do. Day he shows up with what he's called me to do. So the day he shows up, I was anticipating you coming, so I stayed busy. I stayed engaged. I loved on my neighbors. I loved on people that didn't like me. I loved on people that persecuted me. In the middle of tribulation, I had peace. Pass it out to everybody. I stayed engaged all the way to the Why don't you stand to your feet? There's a I had the chance to interview a, a guy who's become very important to me in Belgium. Sam set it up and we sat down and just talked for a little while. And he's a lot older than me. He's like 36 years older than me. And, and so we were having this conversation, we we're recording it, and I said, no. I said, man, your life has not been without trouble. we start talking about that a little bit and you may be here this morning and the world seems like it's flipping upside down and every time you open the news app it's more bad news and bad news and bad news and bad news driving you crazy but he started talking about the faithfulness of God and I'd remembered this old song we used to sing back in the day and I, I mouthed the words to it in there, I said, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And he said, life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. I need you to put in perspective whatever you're walking through today, whatever you watch on TV, whatever, the, whatever hell the world's experiencing right now, that it will be worth it when we lay eyes on him. That what he's asked us to do in the meantime will all be worth it when people are able to accept Christ, when you know that people have escaped hell and received eternal life through him, it'll be worth it. So Paul's always bringing us back. It's just temporary. Don't forget it's temporary. It's worth it. So I want to wrap this whole thing up today. But listen, don't be led astray. Don't, don't be anxious or alarmed. Endure to the end, anticipate the return of Christ and you keep working right until the end. Don't let anything throw you off. Just keep going and going. I'm gonna be faithful right until the end, amen? So, could, could some of you with some gray hair on your head help me out this morning? Because we're not gonna end with some big, fast, fancy new song today. I thought this was, I thought this was appropriate. Especially the last, the last stanza of the, of the chorus. So it, it kind of goes like this. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Oh, some of you know it, come on. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse. One glimpse of his dear face 
I'm going to sing that again. I can hear my granddad singing that right now. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. Come on, one glimpse. One glimpse of his dear face all sorrows will erase so greatly run the race till we see Christ alright come on one time lift your voice it will be thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.